This morning we are finishing our mini-series on the book of Lamentations, and so I want to read this from Lamentations chapter 5. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Now, why would we stop there? Why would we stop with that kind of tone? Why would we stop with that question? Have you utterly rejected us? Well, that's where the book of Lamentations ends. It's where Jeremiah ends. Jeremiah has been um, just crying out to the Lord. He had prophesied to God's people that God was going to reject them and send them out of his place if they did not repent of their sin and turn back to him. And they didn't turn back to him. And so he watched Jerusalem under siege for 18 months. He watched God's people starving to death, his fellow countrymen, doing awful things to try and stay alive. And then he saw Jerusalem fall. He saw God's people captured and dragged off into captivity. And he watched the temple of God crumble. And his response was, "Ah!" Which is my translation of the name Lamentations from the Hebrew. Because when we're in pain and when we're dealing with suffering, sometimes that's where we end. God, restore us unless you are exceedingly angry and have forsaken us forever. Sometimes when we're in suffering, when we're lamenting, that's where we end. That's all we've got. And so that's how Jeremiah ends here. But this morning, I want to remind you about who God is. In times of lament, we face the hard truths. We can complain to God, and we must turn to God. But ultimately, we want to have faith in the character of God and the glorious future that he has promised us. You see, when these things are happening, when everything is falling apart, it is important to remember that God is in control. We can have hope because we know that God is in control. Verse 19, But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. God, you're in control. All of this is happening. And yet, Lord, I know you are in control. You're in heaven and you're saying, this far and no farther. 
Sometimes we understand why the pain is happening. We understand where it's coming from. Sometimes we don't. But either way, we know God is in control. In fact, earlier in the book of Lamentations, in chapter 2, Jeremiah says this, The Lord has done what he purposed. He carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. He's going, God, this is from you. I, I know that you brought this. But when we know that God is in control, then we know, too, that it's only going to be this much. He's not going to uh, let it just run. In fact, in this case, Jeremiah knows exactly what's going on. Jeremiah knows that God fulfills his promises. Which sometimes, most of the time, when we talk about it in church, when we talk with one another and we say, you know, God is faithful to his promises, we consider that to be a good thing. But in this case, Jeremiah is going, oh, Lord, you are faithful to your promises. Lamentations chapter 1. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves. In the house, it is like death. Jeremiah has been preaching to God's people. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, you can read through how he pleads with them, begs with them, please, stop flirting with those foreign gods. Please, stop prostituting yourself out to them and worshiping them under every green tree and on every high hill. Please, stop it. Repent of your sin and turn back to the Lord. And they wouldn't. And Jeremiah warned them and he said, look, if you don't turn back, the Lord is going to reject us. We are going to be overthrown. Don't you remember what happened to Israel in the north? The th same thing is going to happen to us. The foreign armies are going to come in, they're going to destroy everything, and they're going to drag us out of here. And that is going to be the consequences of our sin, the punishment from the Lord. And the other prophets were going, oh, no, no, that wouldn't ever happen. Jerusalem's never, happened, never fallen before. You know, you know, we are God's chosen people, after all. We could never fall. Jeremiah's going, you are persistent in your sin. Yes, it can happen and it will happen. It's going to happen. And then when it happens, he laments and says, Oh God, you promised that this was going to happen if we did not repent. 
and we did not repent and we deserved every bit of this. But that doesn't make it any less painful. The suffering is still there. Even when we know that our, the consequences of our sin are directly tied to the sin itself, that doesn't make it any easier. Sometimes I, I have that happen where I was, had a good friendship and then I was angry and I let loose my tongue and I just let them have it. And then that relationship was broken. I can come back and I can ask for forgiveness and maybe they will forgive me. But maybe they won't. And either way, we're not going to have that same level of trust that we had before. I broke it. I used to be a close confidant. Somebody that I could speak freely with, and they felt like they could speak freely with me, but then I let loose my tongue. And that relationship is not the same. It's the direct consequences of my sin, and I see the pain, and I feel it, and I know where it came from, but I still feel the pain of the loss. Jeremiah is seeing that. Here are God's people who have been rejecting him. He knows why it's here. He knows why the pain is here. He knows why the suffering is here. These are the consequences of the sin. And even so, he sees the reality of it and goes, Oh no! I knew that this was going to happen. And yet the pain is here nonetheless. Sometimes we know why. We know we can see that it's directly connected to our previous sin. Sometimes we don't know why. There's just pain. There's just suffering. And we don't understand why is this here. It's not always directly connected. The book of Job reveals that to us. But either way, we trust and we know that God is in control. God is bringing this and he will confine it. He will do it for his reasons, for his purposes. And he will follow through on his promises. Because we have a God who is in control. Sometimes I will be asked, how can you believe in a God that is loving and powerful when you see this kind of suffering and pain. Sometimes it comes from somebody as a gotcha kind of question. Their arms are folded like this. Yeah, how can you believe in a God like that? Don't you see the pain and don't you see the suffering? How can you believe in a God who is both powerful and loving when this is the result? Sometimes... It comes from somebody in the place of pain as a very sincere question. How can I trust God right now when this is what I'm going through? How can I trust God right now? How can I believe that he is in control when this is what's going on? How can I believe that God loves me when it feels like he has rejected me and is exceedingly angry?
And when that happens, we have to remind ourselves about who God is. God is in control, and God does love us. Lamentations chapter 3. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Right in the middle of the book of Lamentations is this. Right in the context of Jerusalem falling and God's people being dragged off into captivity is this where Jeremiah is crying out and he's complaining to the Lord and he's begging the Lord to restore them and he's watching all that's happening and then he pauses and he says, okay, but I'm going to remind myself of something. Even in the midst of this, I want to remind myself that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Aren't those great words? Those are such encouraging words. We sing that song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Which is wonderful. On a sunny day, when I'm feeling fine, those words just resonate with me and I go, this is awesome. My God is great. And when I talk with people, I say, you know, that's probably your favorite verse in the book of Lamentations. I've had people tell me, I didn't know I had a favorite verse in the book of Lamentations. I thought that came from one of the Psalms. This comes from the book of Lamentations right in the midst of this, in this context. Which totally changes the flavor for me. Because the context isn't a sunny sunny Sunday morning where I'm coming to church and going, wow, great is your faithfulness, God. The context for this is the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple of the Lord. And Jeremiah is saying, and I am reminding myself, great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. I want that kind of depth of faith. I want that kind of depth of faith, the kind of depth of faith that I saw in my grandparents that they modeled for me. That when I, want the, the, when I think about the kind of richness of faith that I want for me, I think about them. And I know that it came from the crucible of suffering. The context for this is the context in which it is developed. We get it through the pain. We get it through the suffering. When we trust in the Lord and His faithfulness, we come out on the other side and go, Oh, 
my God was faithful. His mercies never come to an end. Could I have it without the suffering, though, please? It's not how it works. That depth, that richness of faith comes in the context of pain and suffering. But we have hope because we know the character of our God and His steadfast love. We have hope because we know the character of our God and His justice. In Lamentations 3, a few verses on, in verse 64, he says, You will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. Jeremiah had watched this wicked nation of Babylon come in and siege Jerusalem and grab God's people and drag them out and destroy everything. And he went, but God, I know. I know that your justice will prevail. That you are following through on your promises to us and bringing the consequences of our sin on us through this wicked nation, and I also know that because of your justice, you will do the same to them. Because of their wickedness, you will bring justice on them as well, just as you have on us. In Lamentations chapter 4, the Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger. And he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor any of the inhabitants of the world, that foe or enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. This was for the sins of her prophets, the iniquities of her priests, who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. They had sinned and they had worshipped these foreign gods, these false gods, And then when this uh, attack came on them, they reached out their hands and went, "I I need help, I need help. And there was nobody there. Those false gods were not there for them. They had no help. And they had rejected the Lord. And so these were the consequences. This was the just wrath of God poured out on them. But we know, too, that our God is loving. We know, too, that our God is in control, that our God is faithful to His promises. And so even though He brings His justice, there is hope for a new future. Jeremiah had preached on that, too. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 29, or in, in chapter 31, And I wish I had time this morning. We don't have time to go through all of Jeremiah 29 to 34 this morning, but I would encourage you to read it later because it is wonderful. Because Jeremiah was prophesying to his people, look, this judgment of the Lord is coming, but after that is coming something new. Behold, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. You see, in, this midst, in the midst of this pain, what the person who doesn't believe in God is missing is a glorious future hope. So when I'm talking with people and they're going, how can you believe in a God that allows these kinds of things to happen? How can you think that he is loving and in control if all of these things are happening? Because if I'm looking just at this life, at the context of this life, and I'm seeing the suffering that is happening here, that's a great question to ask. How can I think that God is just when I see the life that's, that's happening around me here? How can I think that God is good when I see the suffering that people are enduring? But when I know that there is a glorious future that's coming, I can remain hopeful because of that glorious future. That's what Jeremiah was doing. He was saying, look, these consequences are awful. But I want to let you know that though we broke this covenant with God and God's judgment is coming down on us, He is going to make a new covenant. He is going to remain faithful to His covenant with Abraham and to Moses and to David, and He's going to make a new covenant. And for Jeremiah, that was future. That was something he wasn't going to get to see. Not in his lifetime. But it was something that he clung to. Something that he reminded people about. This is what's coming. There's a glorious future that's coming. And we now get to look back on that. We get to look back and see the new covenant that Jeremiah prophesied. That Jesus came. That Jesus took the punishment for all of our sins. The punishment that we deserved. The judgment and just wrath of God. We deserved to receive. And He took that for us. So that our sin could be removed and we could be reconciled with God. And we can be His people. Loved by Him. How awesome is that? That was the new covenant that Jeremiah had prophesied would come, and he didn't get to see. He just got to see the destruction and the judgment. But we get to look back now and see the fulfillment of that future promise of Jeremiah. And at the same time, Jesus gives us a future promise that we can look forward to. In John chapter 14, he says to his disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, 
that where I am, you may be also. You see, Jesus enacted the new covenant, but we're not there yet. We're still uh, holding on to a future promise. We know our sins have been removed, and we have been reconciled with God, but we're not seeing all of the full glory that Jesus has promised. That's yet coming. That's in a different life. I don't, I don't have to have everything here. I don't have to, to be fulfilled here. I don't have to be pain-free here. I don't have to have everything glorious here because I have a glorious future that's been promised to me and I believe that God is going to bring it about. That's the hope that we have. In the meantime, we're waiting. In the meantime, God has given us the Holy Spirit to remind us of those glorious futures to come. Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. For us, it is a future yet to come. But it is sure. And in the meantime, we have the Holy Spirit to remind us that we are God's children. We have been forgiven. We have been reconciled with God. And so our future is sure. But it also means that right now we live differently because we have a hope of something to come, because we trust in the character of our God. And so Jeremiah in chapter 29 of the book of Jeremiah was, was reminding the people, okay, look, the Babylonians are coming. They're going to drag you into captivity and just give in, okay? It's too late now. These consequences are coming. God has promised them they are happening, and it's just going to give, go better for you if you just allow them to come. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to get dragged off into Babylon, and while, they're, while you are there, here's what I want you to do. And in Jeremiah 29, uh, this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says. To all the exiles whom I sent from, from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may be bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Those prophets who were telling them, oh, no, 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 God's not going to allow Jerusalem to fall. 
Or, God, or those prophets who are saying, okay, he's going to just pull us right out of Babylon and put us right back. And Jeremiah's going, no, no. That, that's not our promise. The, the glorious future is to come, but for right now, we're living here. We're interceding for our community. We're living in our community. We are looking for the blessing and the prosperity of our community that they too might have the same hope that we have in the glorious future that we have with God. That's what we're doing right now. Because right now, here's where we are. What if things don't get better? What if the pain doesn't go away? What if the broken relationships aren't mended? What if we don't get to go back to a time where we can gather with God's people with hugs and free faces? What if I don't get to play pickup basketball again? What if we don't get to go back to our glory days? I'm already feeling like I'm past my glory days, and I don't think those are coming back. I think it's just going to get worse from here. Isn't that wonderful? What a blessing to be less and less satisfied with this life in anticipation and the building longing for the glorious future that God has promised us. But in the meantime, we don't just jump out from here and into that glorious future. We are here. And we learn to have that depth of faith that trusts God and his promises and his character in the midst of the challenges. And we get to intercede for those who don't have that same kind of hope. Praying for them, loving them, encouraging them, seeking their good and their welfare. As I have been thinking about this book of Lamentations and the crying out and the lamenting and the crying and the turning to God and then finding this place where I hope in the character of God, it reminded me of the story of David after his sin with Bathsheba and the child that was a product of that relationship. And that child was sick and dying. And David had been told, the consequences of your sin is that this child is going to die. And David fasted and wept and prayed. He was so distraught that his servants were afraid to tell him when the child finally died. Because if that's how he acted while the child was sick, can you imagine what he might do to himself if he finds out that the child has died? And David does find out that the child died. And he got up, and he washed his face, and he sat down, and he ate. And his servant said, What? I don't understand. 
The child was sick, you wept, you mourned, you fasted, the child died, and now you're moving on. I don't get it. And here's what David said in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. He says, I, I fasted and I lamented and I prayed because I said, who knows? The character of my God, his faithful love never comes to an end. His, his mercies are new every morning. Who knows, but he may relent. But he didn't. And I trust my God. And I trust my God. And so we finish the book of Lamentations. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. It's in your hands now, God. I have complained. I have asked. And now, God, it's up to you. Either you will restore us or you have utterly rejected us. And when we find ourselves in that place, we remind ourselves of the character of God. Our God who is in control. Our God who is faithful to his promises. Our God, whose steadfast love is faithful and his mercies never come to an end. Our God, who is faithful to fulfill the future promises that he has made to us. In times of lament, we face the hard truths and we can complain to God and we must turn to God. But ultimately, we maintain faith in the character of God and the glorious future that he provides. Let's pray. Father, we ask for that kind of faith. That kind of faith that comes through experience of suffering. Lord, we pray that every trial would drive us deeper, deeper into the scriptures, deeper into faith, deeper into trusting you. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work ministering to our spirit, reminding us of who we are, that our sins have been forgiven and that we are your children. Lord, may we never 
be satisfied or distracted by the joys of this life to the neglect of the glorious future that you have promised us. Help us, Lord, we ask, to intercede for our communities that do not have the hope that we have in Jesus. Help us to demonstrate your love to them, that they too might know that you are God. And then, Lord, we ask that that glorious future that you have promised us would come quickly. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.